So I'm very excited today to have on uh, on site George Yabu and Glenn Puschelberg from the firm Yabu Puschelberg. That's a mouthful, Yabu Puschelberg. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I should have practiced that beforehand. No um, problem, Sean. It's such a hassle. <laughs> but I, email yeah. address. Glenn's last name attached to mine. It was so easy before. But anyway, I can imagine you probably have have it on auto correct now <laughs> or auto finish. Right. Um, you know, I had the pleasure of working with you guys on a project which we never actually brought to fruition. But I must say that my experience in working with the firm for about two and a half, three years on the project was really exceptional. Your team was such a pleasure to work with. You guys were really creative. And I'm really excited to have you guys on the podcast. So I have to kind of bring up, and I'm going to bring it up in the beginning, you know, this coronavirus, COVID-19 situation. I don't want to spend the, you know, this podcast talking about it because it seems like that's all we're inundated with now. But how are you guys coping? You know, we're good at the adjustment. There are always positive things that come in. And this this is a kind of a unknown time and people are a little frenetic and nervous, but I think it brings positive things out. I think that we reevaluate ourselves and what's important to us. We look at our relationships and how people act and respond. It gives us all a greater sense of community, even in our own office or studio where everybody is working from home in, in two cities, Toronto and New York. You band together and you realize your values and stuff. And those are all positive things. And we do slow down and we do smell the roses. So, you know, we have to look for the light. We're also, we also um, thought that, you know, we would like to transform our practice a little bit and forward. And now's the time. Tune it up. To tune it up, you know, because we have the time, a little bit of time to really think clearly about it, where we want it to go. And one of our initial thoughts where we want to go is, of course, m- maintain our high level of design output but we have a broader view we, we want to offer the world at large uh, more um, more services more comprehensive more complete design concept so you know we're getting into lighting design for instance so we have can so we know what to like what's important to like the highs and lows the, the required theatricality that that lighting could offer to to enhance our interiors, our, our exterior, our building facades. And I'm just going to say that, you know, you have to be, we look at it as not as perfunctory engineering, but we look at it as uh, like artistry, painting the surfaces with light. We love that uh, notion because it's sort of more, um, it just adds a bit more uh, subtle layers to our interiors. You know, the other thing we're doing is it's our 40th company birthday this week. Wow. Happy birthday. (laughs) We have lots and lots of experience and lots of visibility at all places on earth and with with all kinds of projects from residential projects to hotel to retail. We have so much knowledge now. We're kind of putting that together and and starting to advise clients and programming and and how to reinvent themselves if it's a hotel or how to be at the forefront of what luxury means today or whatever the questions are. It's an advisory role. So we're doing that. We have a whole team industrial designers so we can design a piece of furniture. So we're looking at a kind of less projects, more integrated, and more comprehensive, more comprehensive, more complete, more complete. Yeah, more complete. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I mean, you, yeah, I think, you know, whenever I go into a restaurant, 
two of the most important components that affect my overall experience, other than obviously the food and the service, is yep. the lighting yes. and, the mu- and the music. I yeah, feel that yeah, if you get okay. the lighting and the music right, you know, well, that could either make or break that experience. Exactly our point. We're, you know, we're thinking about, we think we know the right kind of music. We think we know the right kind of uniform. And we know the balance of, of how to sit and stuff. You know, we, just for the, the listeners, we worked with John George on his latest restaurant, the Fulton down in the, the South Street Seaport. And it's not a kind of classic uh, tablecloth restaurant. It's a seafood restaurant that is... That is a, a bit more egalitarian, but it also is a um, by virtue of, of where it is in in a highly visited part of Manhattan by by tourists out of towners. But, but we still it's still just as important. Doesn't mean that egalitarian doesn't mean that uh, lighting music the whole experience has to suffer. In fact, part in of fact, it. locals that locals that live in the neighborhood. Uh, professionals and, and and or otherwise, I said. Finally, we don't have to travel to another neighborhood in in uh, Manhattan. We have something in our own front yard that's decent to eat, and everything's right. We have a lot of good things said about our lighting, lighting of the space, and so it's good. Yeah. And then you know, we we also what motivated us to do these other to get engaged in other design businesses business and offer it to our clients. It's a 10, sometimes hospitality, hotels, and new build-up. It's 10 years in the making. And within that 10 years, you're spending a lot of energy trying to, to keep, to build a hotel, trying to keep the client on track, trying to be respectful of budget, trying to make sure the engineers and actors don't leave us with a few more than nickels to finish all the project. So all these, anything that, you know, there's a lot of things that can go haywire if you're not on it. Don't pay attention. Yeah. And so lighting, for instance, you know, or we've the, had disastrous lighting or the wrong uniform, which is so or, or the Kleenex uniform. or the Kleenex box in the yeah, bathroom yeah. of a hotel. Yeah, well, an, I mean, all yeah. of that's super okay. important. Accessories I mean, coming in. It's like, oh, my God. Obsessive like, compulsive. Yeah. This, you know, China with yeah. flourishes and it doesn't work with, who you know, who's, who's staying at the place. But anyway, our, our last hotel in New York was the uh, Times Square edition that we worked on with Ian and Marriott and Whitcock family. And I think it's a, you know, we like things like hotels because they're complex. It's like doing a residential project. It's doing a restaurant. It's doing a spa. It's doing public, designing public spaces and having a common thread, but they're all kind of different and layered and interesting within that community of a hotel building. Hotels are fascinating because you touch on very personal things and very kind of, Mutual spaces, yeah. anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think the you know great design. The devil is always in the details, but in a hotel, you know, there's all, almost seems to be more detail that you have to focus on. Yeah, yeah. we like that. We, like, we that. like that. We also like the challenges of doing it. it's. It's of course it's hard hard doing it anywhere, but then take that same notion and uh, go halfway around the world. And we have a hotel that we did for Rosewood in Guangzhou, China, that was 11 years at the top of the tallest building there. And after 11 years, we're still tuning it up in the last year. And we like those challenges. And, you know, that Henry Cheng, Sonia Cheng's father, the owner of it, said, you know, it's was their most beautiful hotel in their company. So we, you know what, if you work hard, there's a lot of satisfaction around creating beauty. Yeah. So, you know, just listening to the two of you talk, it's almost like you're completing each other's sentences and you seem very yeah. like 
you know, you you you, you live together, you finish each other's sentences, you design yeah. together. Yeah. It's almost like your design is of one mind, but you're two people. Yeah. That's got to bring kind of a set of I don't know if it's it's evolved organically or what the challenges are in trying to unify your thoughts. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Do you want to start? Do you want me to start? Well, uh, you know, I can move different strikes. No, I, I, before that, I would say, Sean, that uh, there was no grand plan right. for us to <laughs> on a, to, either counts. on either, in either <laughs> counts to be partners, partners professionally, and it just happened by just circumstance. And uh, well, what, what came first, the professional relationship professional. or the personal relationship? Your business. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it kind of was. It kind of at a well, similar time, similar probably time. within months of, I don't know, six months. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. but you know, we actually known each other eight years before we got together and started. We we met at university when yeah, we started design true. science school. Actually, oh my god! Just, I'm not going to say what year. It's terrible. <laughs> not that bad. In the math from forty, but anyway, um, but yeah. So to just just to cut that intro short, I can hurry on. It was not a grand plan or a strategy that we had. I just bumped into him one day, three years. I mean, I saw him, you know, a couple of times, especially. But that one particular pivotal moment, four years after graduation, we were looking for studio space. Same time, we decided to sh- could to share. share share it to keep constant. We're individual design studio entities and uh because we're shared on one roof and uh it worked we realized that we had this similar aesthetic similar community similar interests and the drive for searching for getting deep into into a project really into it and i don't know if you know, sometimes when you don't some things that are planned are uh, tend to work better because it's not you know premeditated or overly thought through and rehearsed. I think we have a fearlessness of going forward. We have a, a sensitivity to the qualities that are important for a project that the person using the project can feel something rather than just see something as well as see something. I think that there's a notion of a we're a little bit obsessive about detail, but also about what the meaning of things are from, an, I guess, going back to an emotional level. And um, we also have this practical side of what, what do we need to achieve? How do we, how do we make, make a project successful? In a, you know, if, especially if it's a business. How do we make you know, that, that gives us pride. Yeah. How do you make the work that we work relevant beyond the initial flame the bright flame of you know or beyond the instagrammable moment in our projects yeah is there more depth there is there more to to discover is there more to you know oh you know to uh, contemplate what is it that's going to bring back you know we can build it and they'll come once but it'd be better if they come twice three oh. times or more well can I take the conversation a little sideways for a second? I think there's another aspect of this, and it kind of brings us back to the first question you started about, which is on everybody's mind. And I think one of the things George and I have been together a long time is is our what our core values are as people that we um, also um, project and through our actions um, work with our community, our, our staff on it, and our clients about... Um, being honest and clear 
about being fair, about having a human side, with, but, but leading. And um, we don't have a problem telling a client if they're out of line, they're out of line, or a staff member to hang up if someone is rude to them. Or when in times get like this, when they get a little tough about telling them why you have to make tougher, more difficult decisions. But I think values, especially today, are important. Anyway, let's move on from that. Yeah, no, but I think what you're, you're, what you're touching on is really important because a lot of the clients, you know, we share the same kind of clients. And I think these are very strong personalities. These are types, you know, masters of the universe. These yeah. are people who are very opinionated. How do yeah. you confront someone of that archetype who kind of has their vision and belief, which may differ from yours, what is that like? I think uh, there should be an absence of arrogance on, on everybody's side, and there should be a notion of respect. And I think that when, I believe that if a client's ego gets ahead of them and they are master of the universe, and in a very sincere way, in clear way, if you can talk to them about or deal with that, or through example, I think every every client is different, then that's what you you need to do. And what's interesting is coming from Canada originally and being a New York resident and realizing that, you know, those New York developers, they eat nails for lunch. I mean, they're, they're human beings and there's some lovely and wonderful ones and there's some really, really tough ones. And you kind of up your game. And that, to me, is that actually is the excitement of being in New York because it is a kind of the biggest challenges. And uh, we get satisfaction out of that. And it's we think it's important that there's mutual respect and we're also occasionally prepared if we make a mistake and we end up with the wrong relationship, willing to to back away from it because that's okay too. Sometimes, you know, it's so, like any relationship is, isn't right, you should move on. When did it evolve from you guys picking up the phone looking for business, if it even started that way, to mm-hmm. kind of you your phone ringing and... Uh, uh, that's been a long time, but I, I'm going to... It's a little bit of bragging, and, and I'm sure that this world has changed. But, you know, I was talking to um, the little group that does the business development and marketing side, and we do about 100 proposals a year, and we accept about 15 of those proposals, or we we accept and or achieve 15% of those proposals. So we have a lot of people from different parts of the world with a lot of kinds of projects coming to us. What's important is, and we evaluate them on a basis of, are we a right fit with the client? Is the client right fit for us? What is the challenge of the project? Those are more important than getting sucked in, seduced by something that's not really, yeah. at the end of the day, Metaphorically, right. it's sort of like a bespoke approach. or try to tailor yeah. our relationship to a client that wants to, or wants to go along for the ride, this interesting journey. And a lot of them aren't aligned that way, and it's, it's less compelling and then less fun. We are so, so blessed and so lucky today. You know, and I'm just going to name a couple of projects that are, that are coming on stream this year. Like, we've been working with the LVMH group. We're opening La Samaritan in Paris. It'll probably delay this. It's going to soft open in June, which is the equivalent of Beaumarchais on the right bank. It's going to be a beautiful store. We're working... Um, with the Emir and Qatar and, and it's on a Prenton department store in there. We're working on um, the most luxurious residential project in Tokyo, which will be the tallest building. I don't know if we can say the brand yet. I don't know if that's no. out there, but it's really one of, it's the residential part of one of the best hotel groups on earth. We're doing uh, this new concept for Amman, Amman, the, the hotel, Amman Junkies, 
We're doing a new new thing called Janu, which is their kind of aspirational hotel brand that they're starting in Montenegro. And we have many, many really. We're doing private jets for a few people. We've got a, a, a really about, yeah. exciting mix of things yeah. that, that we're doing. Designing airliners, A320s, yeah. not uh, Learjets. <laughs> They're big. Well, we have, uh, you know, in, in, in product design, we, the big furniture fair in Milan has been postponed, but we had, we're doing a, a beautiful sofa for B&B Italia. Last year we did a sofa for Miltani. We're working on a process for Fantini, for Salvatore. We're doing these beautiful stone carps bathrooms and stuff we have we have, we have, you know in spite of the pause today there's exciting things and that we think the future is bright and of course i think there'll be adjustments to how people think and what they want and what's important in less. terms of interiors and products yeah. but then we're up for those changes yeah. life is, right that's what make, keeps life interesting yeah. absolutely I mean, you guys do beautiful work. So what does that process look like? Because when, when <laughs> I see your work, there is definitely a consistency in not only the attention to detail and the things you spoke about, like the quality, the attention to detail, but also the aesthetic, the brand. You have a certain consistency in your style. How do you maintain that over so many cities, over so many projects, and you know, with so many different clients what does your process look like? Do you both sit down at night and talk about the design and well, con contribute your own? You, you know, how, how does that look? I, sure. Why don't you talk about our approach? Like yeah. we use the device of narratives. Okay, but before I start that, I want to go back to the beginning when we started, like everybody else does. It was George and Glenn working on a drafting table together. There weren't any computers, and, and there were six people, and there were ten people, and twenty people. And at some point, you've got to have people to manage things and. We had to split up and I did more of the managing and marketing and George did more of the pure design work. And we, over time, we're doing this because we love doing this. We said, we want to go back to where we started. And we found a, a really, you know, we, we through evolution, we got a really great team of directors that do all of the other things. And today we go back and we design together with the design teams and we go see clients. And uh, that's really our passion. That process that I think actually makes yeah, our work even true. better today it, as strong as it is and as varied it is because we're we're in it and we're sitting with the clients and we're feeling what they what their needs are not on a prescriptive level but on what we on a leadership level what they where they should go and what they should do about it and uh, we know it intimately because we're intimate kind of relationship with the design teams internally and with the clients on the outside. I don't think I answered your question, but that's kind of where the process, how the process evolved to where it is. And wow. What, you know, right now we're not interested in becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. We're interested in getting better and better and better and doing less and less and less so in a more complete way. More, yeah, instead of better project, we're, we're just going to go for the best. That's and I it. think we're able to do that, Sean, because we have it set up that way that we, we've gone full circle and it's back to the full force of the two of us in the studio and unencumbered day-to-day right. -day administration and uh, HR and all these issues. Accounting. Of course, we, 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 are, we don't leave it up completely to them, but uh, we're not dealing with it constantly on a day-to-day -day basis. So we're, we're unfettered again. And, uh, you know, it uh, really has helped us propel us. What's Perfect. funny with this shift that just went on in the world in the last few weeks, it actually, as George intimated earlier, it, it's speeding up the process of refining the, our internal process through 
where do we redeploy people in the right places for where we're going to go forward, not to where we were? So do you still sit together and, and draft and like talk about design and say, oh, you know, That's, I think this would look better yeah, this way. And yeah, is, yeah, that, is that yeah. how this looks? Yep, 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 yep. Now we're doing I mean, it virtually. We're sitting, we, you know, we have this Teams thing with, with, with Teams on and um, we're sitting here drawing and showing, because we're not really good computer people, showing the team, showing their Teams on, 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 the, on the camera and stuff. But we, yeah, we sit here and discuss things and we debate, debate things. From the from the kind of macro level to the micro level. But I discovered that the you know, old old school, you know, like the old way of doing things, like a lower level of uh, sophistication, is quite efficient. You know, to to sketch something when we're remote and just holding it up rather than going to the scanner right. to send it. It's just you know, it's just faster. It's re it's really interesting. It's more interesting. so that idea is like going back to not basics but going back to the simple idea of simpler unfettered processes that's why I, I you know we're going to take this opportunity of this pause worldwide pause to make it really much more unfettered so we can and more personal and more personal yeah and more, you know yeah fun. and fun fun's important yeah, yeah there's no point of doing things if you don't enjoy them what do you disagree on? I'm sure you disagree on something. <laughs> well, we have, uh, we have moments Whoa. that, uh, you, know, hey. I, you know, I say to our, you know, when we have a, a, a group of interns in late spring and over the past years, and they, they join us for the summer until the school year starts in fall again. And I said, listen, I don't think I have the energy, or Glenn and I have the energy to sort the laundry, the dirty laundry. You're going to hear, because we live 24-7, and that... Uh, you're going to hear everything maybe inappropriate, but I hope you don't uh, yep. you don't count it against us. But I'd rather have that energy spent on on showing you or t or of what we've experienced and the way we work and that honesty and straightforwardness, a candidness um, speeds up the relationship and process in that they they trust you that you're that you're mm -hmm. transparent that you're right and we have flaws character flaws yeah. and they own up own up to themselves. you know for example george will say to me like drop the tone of your voice right now this is yeah, not yeah. appropriate yeah. and you know what <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know what people get us and they and they trust yeah. us yeah and because you know yeah. because we're that's yours of the humans yeah. right so do you have then a mentor that, or do you have mentors that you, you're both inspired by? Gosh. Or are there different inspirations coming from different places? Different, different mentors through our lives. I think it's less of a, a aesthetic design inspiration and, or, or mentors and more of how you conduct yourself. Conduct yourself. I'll give you an example. Yeah. You know, when we first started... Many, many years ago, we did this very beautiful multi-brand store in Vancouver in an old post office. And it was our kind of one of our first big projects. And there was an extremely well-known Canadian architect called Arthur Erickson, who was a friend, friend of Princess Diana. He had a house in Malibu and blah, blah, blah. Edward Albee was his friend. He had a good life. And, and he built the, and, uh, and he, yeah, he built the Canadian MC in Washington. He was a friend of Pierre Trudeau's, Justin's father. And... Arthur had seen our store in Vancouver. He, that's where he lived. And he phoned up a furniture guy in Toronto and said, who are these guys? 
uh, they did a beautiful story. And then he phoned up Interior Design Magazine in New York and, and told them, you should publish this. And we never had anything ever published outside of Canada at that point. And, you know, it reminded us uh, of uh, to being generous and uh, helping the design community and giving back. And, and um, you know, when you have a kind of success like we do now, like Arthur had then, you can share and make everything better and and you see people rising up because we can i think uh, to us it makes us feel proud we've we've spun off a number of young yp design studios all over the place in in new york and toronto and uh, we're happy for them that's great that must make you feel very proud i mean i think now more than ever is a time where you know it's kind of separating not the men from the boys, but, you know, separating the givers from the takers, you know, and and it's inspiring to see so many people step up and kind of share and pay it forward, so to speak. No, I'm not going to say who they are, but it's really, you're right, Sean, it's, it's really interesting, the number of different design from some of the most famous in America to some of the most smallest that are calling us and we're calling them and exchanging ideas of how to move forward and how to make change and how to look after clients or, or redeploy them or, or, or do whatever you need to do in the, in the best possible way. And sharing just makes our industry all stronger. And th- those people are coming out of the woodwork. What does that look like when your interns come into the office? What are you telling them? How are you advising them to look forward and, you know, you, it's almost like you're looking back at yourself, you know, your younger self. What are you telling them? We have a nurturing culture on many, many counts. And I think that the senior designers that lead the design teams, et cetera, they're, they're kind of a, by, I think a lot of them have the same values that we do. And they're, they're sensitive to them. It's like they're, fa- they're, they're many families within a bigger family. And we, you know, of course, in the, the design, they're given not just grunt jobs, but chances, which is important in the practice. But also we do things like we used to do rosé Thursdays where one team would go out and buy bottles of rosé and have fun. Now when we're online, you know, which connects everybody and connects these, especially the young ones and the interns. And now we're doing things like we have daily online meditation. We have an online book club, online exchanging recipes and, uh, connectivity and I think we, we well yeah we do sound bath we you know because we're concerned especially in these times with people mm-hmm. that are living in small apartments exactly. alone and young they also need a kind of uh, support beyond just being a sensitive to their design needs and design growth right so here's a question then I think people we've kind of changed the way we live you know I think millennials as you know as a generation are a little bit different to baby boomers in a lot of different ways and you know i think the way they expect to live their lives and the things that they value are very different to the baby boomers they seem to be less materialistic in a lot of ways they're more about experience yeah Yeah. Um, but they they still have to live in homes and you know you're at the forefront of designing and creating homes that these people will be living in what do you take into consideration and where do you see the future of the home well, you know more than us, Sean, about you know how, how uh, the size, for instance, residential oh. units are shrinking. Yeah, and uh, that's that's trending, and and uh, people are going to live cheek by jowl uh, with each other, not just in New York, and they already do in New York, but yeah. even like um, 
secondary uh, uh, commercial capitals like Toronto, the, like all these developers are rejigging, redesigning their condo towers uh, with these new uh, shrunken uh, units uh, in terms of size. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing because it does align. Maybe there were too many large units that were designed for the empty nesters, i.e. also known as baby boomers. And now these millennials, they're less materialistic, have less objects, less furniture. Maybe they're the ones that are going to adapt very easily to this this new reality that's going to even get even, even more tighter. Because, you know, worldwide, with, you know, with the trend of uh, urbanization, people moving out from the small towns and moving into large metropolises, pressure is on. So how do we socially make make harmony through design and through... I was thinking about Ward Village. We have the, these two projects we're working with Howard Hughes in... Honolulu and Ward Village is kind of off to the side where the old Chinatown is being gentrified and we're designing apartments and amenities in these buildings for well there's a couple of different types of course the millennials that live in Hawaii for the empty nesters and also for, for investors from Asia you know the apartments have there's kind of options as you buy them you can buy them as enclosed rooms or you can buy them as kind of open environments because the kitchens are all open now, it's like uh, even though they're not expensive kitchens, because not it's not a luxury product. We're making the kitchens interesting, and we think of you know this. You know, it's funny in in New York, the, all the brokers will tell you the only kitchen you can put in is a white kitchen because it's I think it's the easiest to sell. But in fact, we think about millennials, and we think about the kitchens from the fifties and sixties where there were deeper colors and stuff, and we think of the kitchen becomes more like an armor, an object, and, and less like a bunch of boxes that adding a kind of a wow. grayed out color or tone or making the kitchen as a, as a piece of furniture, it kind of is more integrated and it gives their apartment a personality and it's responding to their aesthetics now and not the boomers' aesthetics, which yes. is expansive and wide. And yeah. I think, well, there was a funny story oh, yeah, about this story. social oh. writer. George, you want to tell that story? We were um, at a dinner uh, for Jim Moore, the, the editor-in-chief of GQ, uh, a couple of weeks ago. There's a good story. It's a funny story. You, oh, so we were, uh, you know, at dinner for Jim Moore's book signing. He's the, for, he's the editor-in-chief editor for GQ is. for a number of years, and he, he still, still is. is. And uh, at the dinner, uh, I was sitting beside a society writer for the National Paper in Canada, and uh, we were talking about uh, these people like these wealthy star uh, hairdressers hairdressers to local stars or society women and uh, he says you know the problem the the, the hairdressers and the, the problem with these uh, in, these condos are going up everywhere you know, like weeds in in Toronto and uh, so you get to my clients you know they move these they move old into their empty nesters and their the kids are on their own and they're you know they're in their 60s or whatever and they go buy these we condos like, downsize we and be more, be more, you know, cooler or whatever. And they and they go into these apartments with these stark white interiors and these stark white kitchens and you know with these harsh like these modernist mirrors in, in the bathrooms. And they look at themselves and they go, "Oh my god, the stark just makes me really look 
old. And the hairdressers said they don't have, you know, they don't have the bronze gilt mirror uh, frame. So when the light architectural light hits, you know, spill off of the of the warm of the warm bronze cool. gilt to soften the lines. I thought that was hilarious. So that what what happens after that? They rush to their to their uh, plastic surgeon and and so quickly then they botch that up. So. <laughs> That's so funny. I, th- I mean, I think they they should have called you guys instead of the plastic surgeon, right? They, they, they were fixing the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah the pitfalls of modernity. There's another part too of what Glenn was talking about. Oh, it's an easy sell, white kitchens, oh, simple kitchens. Please. But you know, I mean, I, I got really tired of with this team of uh, real estate team and one project I'm doing this and they said I mean, they're gonna rip they said they're gonna <laughs> rip, rip out, out your, your right. design kitchens anyway and uh so maybe just give me white kitchens right we, so we said well maybe they're ripping out those <laughs> shitty white kitchens because they're so shitty <laughs> and if they're <laughs> really designed maybe they won't rip them out you, you know we, <laughs> we 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 doing a project with Eggersman, the German kitchen maker, and we're doing these beautiful islands like pieces of sculpture, so that we, because we believe in kind of luxury apartments, they become like a bar or a place for entertainment, and it's an object rather than a kitchen, because they're kind of in your space. And then we have another kitchen design project we're working with an Italian company, which we can't really say yet, but it's for a year from now. Where the kitchens look a little bit like libraries mm-hmm. and stuff, so it's a Dens, it's a, you know you can think of like a simple thing like a kitchen of a millennial, which can be color, it can be Mondrian-esque, it can be interesting or or something that someone who really doesn't cook much but uses it for entertainment and stuff, and they become more rarefied objects. But who cooks anymore, because, especially in New York City well, and, and Tokyo also, and places often, like that? Often in parties at home. You know, at party after dinner, some ends up in the kitchen, right? So why yeah. not a kitchen that has different iconography and different uh, yeah. offering in terms of mood and function? Might make it like a bar, congregation, yeah. or like make it look like a den or uh, a library you know, room to smoke or, in or have yeah. a drink. Or something. So it's transformable, perhaps, or but still. Yeah, possible. but I think what's really interesting is hearing this story about the you know guy who a woman who went to go see the plastic surgeon to fix their face. It's you know. We, it's kind of funny, but it's actually serious in the way that what your responsibility as an interior designer is, you, and you have such power ultimately over the way people feel, right? Because if you design a room or a space, that space is going to make you feel a certain way. You know, there's yeah. nothing better than Transform. nothing better than sitting in a beautiful room that that is peaceful, quiet. It's all about the feeling. You know, we, we joke about it, but it's it's actually a, it's a strong responsibility. This is what our differentiate, differentiator is. We look to build an emotional context around something. You can go into a hotel and feel like you're powerful and special or that it's romantic and sexy or emotionally calming and serene. To us, it's the combination of the materialities, the proportion of space, the art, the furniture, the, this kind of balance of things that give you something emotion, emotional quality. That's what we search for. And we think our best interiors do that. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes total sense now that an, an, an interior designer, an architect would do everything in the interior, right? So including the lighting, yeah, the yeah. So, millwork, the furniture, so, the, you know, if you want to control every detail to kind of make that experience much more holistic, it seems like it's a no-brainer that you guys would do the entire package. And it seems archaic that 
we haven't been really doing this for the longest time. That's yeah, true. That's well, true. It's, an, it's an evolving industry in tears. Also, we, we um, decided, Glenn, to take the lead and influence yeah. our clients, our yeah. the developers, to maybe this is not what you need. Maybe you need this. Maybe you need a better mix of interiors. Maybe, you know, we're talking about the kitchen again. Maybe this is the way to appeal to this demographic and instead of just giving a program in a PDF. And so we're able to um, guide, not just in design, like guide the whole premise, the principles of their project. I mean, they're spending a lot of money uh, on these developments and uh, you know, you're, you know, we, we have a responsibility to the project's got to work for them, but to do that, we can't just say, we're just gonna make it pretty. Yeah, it has to be has has to have more depth than that, or it's not going to happen. I mean, thinking about I'm yeah, just, I'm going off a little bit of tangent, but I'm going back to thinking about hotel design and you know hotel if, hotels have come full circle from, from from along to a place where they they really are social centers if you do them right, but to do them right to create kind of the right atmosphere in a lobby with a bar or, or dining experience, you got to feel that you want to come there. And not, it's not just, it's not for the guest. It's for, it's for the community as well as the guest, because then you get a, if you can, uh, you know, we like, I was just thinking about the, the London edition that we did. And if you go in that hotel, you'll see art, You'll see fashion people, art people. You'll see yeah. tattoo kids from Shortage. You'll see Marriott Points people. And it's the free zone of the mix that makes Oh, know, yeah. I mean, synergy. You, yeah, you walk in those. That, that's one of my favorite lobbies because of the way it makes you feel. You walk in through those yeah. glass doors and you you see the bar on the left and yeah. that beautiful light fixture that you have. It's not Actually, it's not even a light fixture. I think oh, it's a piece light. of sculpture. It's yeah, it's like a reflective. He went to heaven. Like famous lighting artist, and he went yeah. to heaven. Unfortunately, yes. Our, our next hotel opening in New York City is the Ritz Carlton across from the Nomad, which is uh, interesting because we thought, oh my gosh, uh, we'd never do a Ritz Carlton. There, that's kind of an brand. old lady brand. <laughs> but you know, right. uh, Mr. Sorensen from Marriott kind of I think guided us, uh, and uh, and the client was lovely. Of reinventing Ritz Carlton and and also making putting it in a place like you think oh my gosh Ritz Carlton Ritz Carlton no bad that's a, that that doesn't make sense but we're it's a kind of sensitive plug-in and it's really thinking about a kind of more wealthier millennial and of course with a baby boomer but it's more sure, emphasis on that kind of sure. kind of like uh, switching the brand around and then they just gave us a you know, it's hard to find projects today. We're just starting a second Ritz Carlton beside the nest in Beijing, which will also be the counterpoint to reinvention for the brand. But it's really searching for what is the new meaning for this old school yeah. Yeah. American brand into something that's relevant and worldwide today for a much younger yeah. audience yeah. that's that is as snappy as an addition. But these are energizing things. We go back to thinking about emotional appeal, about who the who the who's the users are, how we can help the users mix up the users, what you know, we're really asking some of these companies, can we help with the music? Because we know people and that can produce music and stuff, or can we help with the uniforms now? We have a fashion designer. We did the uniforms for Oman restaurants for the Oman hotel brands as an example. So yeah. Going in circles now. Good, keep going. <laughs> Sorry. No, I mean I think that's really interesting. You you know working alongside such an established brand like Ritz Carlton, which has got a set of very strict 
grand guidelines, yeah. you know, but also taking that and then interpreting it into a more modern and relevant conversation in today's world for today's consumer, that's got to come with its own set of challenges. And yeah. I'm sure, you know, having a, a client who's more amenable to listening to you is definitely helpful. It's all about the client. You know, we, we like that, but we also like doing, there's this thing called micro, Moxie Hotels, which is Marriott's micro hotel brand. And we, we reset that brand for America uh, just south of Times Square. And we're doing a second one in L.A. now. And uh, it's totally the opposite where they're little tiny 120, 150 square foot rooms. But we're designing everything from the sink to, to whatever. And they're fun and they're interesting. And, and it's an automatic check-in thing. And it's a whole different experience. Yeah. But it's an experience and it's emotional and it appeals to a different customer. These design challenges... Sometimes it can get a little bit too easy at the luxury end, and it's more taxing to oh, your brain, more of a mind twister when you don't have as much money or the spaces are smaller. It doesn't, the quality of what you do is the same. I think that's no, too bad right. that we can't do all of the moxies and can't do everything. No, we don't. No, there's hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. But we don't want to. You know, but at least we, you know, it, it reaffirms that what we started the DNA, set up moxie. Other design entities have, have uh, taken over, and uh, I personally don't think they really catch all the deal. Yeah, it all. got it. And yeah. and and all I and it. I say this because that's what we were told yeah. by by developers, and you know, and and so I. That's okay. I, but that's okay. Um, we're on to the other things. Yeah, that's okay. We're proud of right. what we did yeah. for them. So I mean, you you are very very high in demand you're very selective about your projects you know we only have 24 hours in a day we <laughs> only have like limited amount of time on this earth yeah. and just in hearing you 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 come across and you you are from my personal experience very even killed calm so how do you create that balance in your life where you have to step away from the clients the insanity the managing of the people, the running of your company, you know, um, what, what do you have, what do you do, do uh, in your personal life to create that balance uh, and, and stay sane? It's interesting. I don't think we've uh, hit the uh, nail on the head in terms of getting that balance. I mean, we're, we're close to it, but we, you know, then I lead unusually strange, unusual lives. Like, you know, we just keep suitcases open in the walk-in closet in an open position, different sizes, roll these carry-ons, check-ins, and we just th keep throwing clothes at it because we know any moment we have to take off. That, that was before. And, and, that, <laughs> and that was before. And then now, you know, we're going through this, uh, you know, we had a town hall meeting to regroup with our staff and to move things forward during this during this difficult time challenging times and uh one of the questions at the end was uh, you know well can george and glenn travel less while we're serving but when things they're saying when things get back to running humming along you know off this pause button i hope we can you know like Jordan then will stay put because we lo they love yeah. this moment that we're working. Oddly enough, the the irony is working remote from home brought more depth to the work and the analysis, and because we're not running around like crazy from we, airport. To yeah, airport we you know we get we find calmness and satisfaction because we treat our staff as a kind of family. 
we have a really good, great network of friends and we pay attention to that, you know, caring for, for those flowers and vice versa. You know, so that gives us a lot of satisfaction. We have a wonderful getaway on the ocean between Amagansett and Montauk in the summer where we entertain friends. And even sometimes we've had, you know, one, two years ago, we had at that time 120 staff out there. We took over a couple of, mo- of motels and we had power generators on the beach and had lobster dinners and DJs yes. until the police shut Maybe. us down. But you know what? To that, there is life has to have balance and you have to understand your values. And it's not a kind of most people's typical lives and how you chop up your time, but we you find time for those things. Otherwise, there's no point to it. And we and we we are and uh, Sunny who who uh, uh, asked that question about well, how we can see more from Glenn. And it's in our mind to do that because how many trips did we do last year, Glenn? 144 airplane trips. You know what? And but this not, is changing. This. Yeah, 140. We did 140 between Glenn and I, and they're not segments, flight segments, trips between New York. Wow. And- yeah, be yeah. around the world. I think last year I went around the world six or seven times. Went around, went to Asia eleven times. But you know what? In the su- especially in the summer, I would leave on a Monday and get make sure I got back to New York by by Friday morning, and then and then get out to the the beach and just chill because you have to have balance. You just you just chop up chop it up differently. That's a good way to end. I think first of all. You know, thanks for taking valuable time out of your day to have this chat. Um, It's really great speaking to you guys. And, you know, congratulations on all of your success to date. It's definitely well deserved and earned. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of these exciting projects that you're working on come to life. And at the end of the day, you know, whenever I step into one of your lobbies, it, it definitely achieves your goal of making me feel a certain way, you know, and, and to you, I, I, from a personal standpoint, I say thank you because that is an enriching life experience for me personally. Yeah. And uh, you have the ability to touch so many people by doing that and keep doing what you're doing and you're doing a remarkable job. And, well, what and we thank need, you so well, much we, for doing that. We need, thank especially you. today, is intrinsic beauty to go forward. Thank you, people. And I just want to end up saying something. It's beauty, but there is to enliven to give joy joy and uh, yes and delight you know thanks sean. tough world but sean thank you so much thank for, you. yeah I yeah thank you, you. and the real estate in you know, you know the, <laughs> the epicenter and uh, you make it personal you make it less corporate and, in, and institutional in your world and, and we appreciate that about you thank you well, thank you. I'm looking forward to working on something exciting with you guys soon. <laughs> Us too. Thank you, sir. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Well, enjoy the rest of the day and stay thank safe you. and healthy. And um, I'll see you soon. You Ditto. too. Thank you, Sean. You too. Thank I you, know. Sean.